Welcome to Pod Defiance. I'm Sarah Smith. I'm a communications major at University of Washington Tacoma. And I'm joined here today with uh, senior lecturer, Dr. Ellen Moore. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. So, Ellen, I would love to just talk to you a little bit about the work you do at the University of Washington. So if you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you do here. Certainly. So I've been teaching here since 2009, and I teach in communication. So you're a communication student. (laughs) I'm a communication teacher. Uh, I look forward to having you in my class. Um, But the classes that I've created are the first environmental communications courses at UW-Tacoma. And so I teach, uh, I teach contemporary issues in environmental communication. The title is longer than what I had wanted. I just wanted environmental communication, but now it's, it's a lot longer. And my latest course is Ecology, Inequality, and Popular Culture, which focuses on intersectionality and the environment. And so those are my two latest courses. And so I've been doing that now for going on 10 years. So can you talk a little bit about your work um, at the campus uh, with the Sustainability Committee? Yes. So the Sustainability Committee is very active. It is formed of staff, students, and faculty, and they come from all over the university, all over our campus, I should say. Um, And so we do various projects. Um, So we've done a project called Waste Not, Want Not, which involved UW-Tacoma students. And that was where we did a campus survey to identify from from faculty, staff, and students uh, where areas of waste were on campus. Um, And I can actually even sort of share what that was. Uh, There were the primary areas of waste that were identified were plastic waste, paper waste, and uh, electronic waste. And what I mean by that is they wanted ways to reduce um, our energy usage. So we do projects like that, but we also work with a giving garden. And so the giving garden produces food for the pantry, which is on campus, um, which serves our students as well. So that is, they do produce some food for that. Um, there, are, there is the swap meet with uh, with. Professor Evie Shankus, and so it is where folks will bring in items and you just sort of swap out these items, and so we hold that as well. We've done lots of other projects with students. So we did a project, it was kind of a funny title, but about two or three years ago, we did a project called Plastic Surgery, Changing the Face of the Planet One Bottle at a Time, where we tried to get, we did various sort of Instagram um, competitions and gave prizes um, if students would stop using water bottles on campus. So we've done a lot of uh, stuff and we we have our hands in many things, uh, many projects. Are you involved uh, beyond UW-Tacoma in, in local environmental issues, or um, how, does it, how does your work extend beyond the campus? Well, I definitely think of myself as a scholar activist. So I do believe that my work should extend beyond the classroom and beyond teaching. So this quarter, my students in ecology, inequality, and pop culture, they're actually working with local restaurants to try to get them on Surfrider Foundation's ocean-friendly list, so they've got to give up plastic. Uh, And my students are also, this just came in this morning, my students will be working with Point Defiant Zoo and Aquarium to basically document the steps that they took to rid themselves of plastic bottles at the zoo a couple of years ago. And so I don't, we're always extending beyond the classroom to work in the community. Can you tell us about your most recent book that you've written? Yeah, so it just came out this year. It's Journalism, Politics, and the Dakota Access Pipeline, Standing Rock, and the Framing of Injustice with Rutledge. 
So the book began actually in one of my graduate classes uh, where we were studying what was happening. This was in the fall of 2016. And we were studying in that class, which is a class on the environment, we were studying what was happening at Standing Rock with the Dakota Access Pipeline construction and the water protectors who were trying to stop that pipeline. So what grew out of that was actually work with the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe on their perspectives of not only the pipeline, but the way that the media covered that issue and themselves as water protectors. So the book itself is really in two parts. Uh, One major part of the book was the work with the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. So I traveled to the reservation and I did interviews with them. And they read the work when I was done before uh, it went off to the publisher. And so they were an integral part of the book. Um, The other big part of the book, because I'm a media scholar, was that I was looking at how major newspapers chose to frame the issue of the water protectors and the pipeline itself. And so I looked at how – I think I looked at in total about 500 articles, news articles, and um, and so I found some pretty interesting trends in the way that newspapers, both regional and national, were covering the issue. Interesting. I read briefly that the media likes to frame from more of a conflict-driven perspective. How did they sort of get around that then, the media portrayal, to get the word out and get their messaging yeah. across our nation? That's a great question. So I think that my total time with the tribe was supposed to be about three hours, and we ended up going for about six hours. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the the quality of the conversation that, that we were having, as well as the generosity of their time. So we really talked about these issues. So part of the questions revolved around how did they feel about what we call legacy media, which is traditional media like TV news and newspapers. Um, but we also spent time talking about the potential of social media. And I think anybody who was paying attention to the issue of the pipeline in 2016 and 2017 knew that the power of Facebook and maybe Instagram as well, definitely Twitter, and the power of social media to really get the tribe's perspective out there. When I asked the tribe how they felt about the use of social media, they said it was a little bit of a mixed bag. So there are some parts that might be perceived as negative to their cause, and then, but largely um, they saw it as positive. And so they actually said a few times that they felt that social media allowed them to get their information out in a way that they said, and this is a quote, was unfiltered. Um, Another revered elder and activist, um, Phyllis Young in the tribe, described it as digital democracy. And so I think social media, you know, quite honestly, social media changed the entire way that the Dakota Access Pipeline was treated by the media and framed by the media.